Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hey, Lulu here. Whether we are romping through science, music, politics, technology, or feelings, we seek to leave you seeing the world anew. Radiolab adventures right on the edge of what we think we know. Wherever you get podcasts. So, Kath. Mm Mm-hmm. Today, we're going to feature a podcast that we both love, and it is filled with love stories. Yes, it's from the women who make the podcast Criminal, another great show. But this show is called This Is Love. But they're not like gushy love stories, you know? One of their stories is about this teenager who swims for hours in the dark to save a baby whale, or two snails with kind of like an arranged marriage. Yes, there are lots of stories about animals. You love the animals. Yes, but they also have stories about people, too. So today, we're featuring one of their stories about a couple who spent 40 years together and then took their relationship public, like really public. Here's host Phoebe Judge. I am going to be going back and forth between both of you, but don't feel like you can't speak over each other if one wants to answer. I have a habit of doing that. We'll be the first to admit. Yeah. He will will talk, believe me. He'll be the talker. (laughs) Don't encourage it, is what I'm trying to say, because I'll do it even more than usual. My name is Nino Esposito. I am 81 years old, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm Drew Bosset. I'm 71 years old. They met in 1970, when Nino was 33 and Drew was 23. I went to one of the one of the meeting places in, in, in Pittsburgh uh, for gay people, and lo and behold, there was Nino. He walked into the bar, and he just spotted me, I guess. He came up, and we just started to talk, and I stood up and gave him my, my bar stool. As I always say, chivalry was not dead, at least not 50 years ago it wasn't. And, uh, and the rest really was history. In the, in the 70s, right, right before you met, what was it like to be um, a gay man in, in, in Pittsburgh? Well, you didn't discuss it with anybody. You just, it was a clandestine you know, lifestyle. You you didn't. You just went out. You didn't go out until eleven o'clock at night, and you only went to places where gay people went. You know, and during the day, you were it was a Jekyll and Hyde sort of situation. You didn't admit to to that. At least we didn't, and we've always maintained that it was not acceptable to a lot of people. So, why you know force it on them if they're not interested? Drew and Nino kept the relationship a secret from everyone. It just didn't seem worth it to try and explain. Shortly after they met, Drew arrived home to find all of his belongings piled up on the front porch. His landlord had found out that he was gay. So Drew moved in with Nino and Nino's mother and father. But Nino and Drew still didn't tell anyone they were together. His family didn't know. My family did not know. Officially. I mean, we always assumed, at least in my family's case, and they weren't going to bring it up. We weren't bringing it up. It was just a case of, you know it, but there's no point in discussing it. And that's just the way it was for all those years. In those days, you couldn't, really, you couldn't go to a, a, a straight bar, you know, because you felt... Uh, 
you felt like you know people were, were looking at you. I mean, you go, couldn't go, go, go to, to a gay bar. You, you mean. couldn't. No, I mean a straight bar. You couldn't go uh, with your partner to any. Uh, you know, even in restaurants and things, people would sort of look askance at, 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 at you know why are these two men together? You know, this is so strange. You know, so you we tended to just uh, avoid that whole situation, and until so we just. <clears throat> decided we're just going to stay home, and that's it. They bought a house. Drew was a writer. Nino taught high school. And they did absolutely everything together. We've decided that this was our home, and uh, we were going to stay here and enjoy it, you know. I, I don't see why people are always looking for something somewhere else than when they have uh, a situation that they enjoy being in, you know. They were happy like this for 42 years. And then, as they aged, things got more complicated. They began to think seriously about what would happen if one of them got sick or died unexpectedly. How could they continue to take care of each other, no matter what? So in 2012, when they were 65 and 75 years old, they came up with an idea. How was it decided um, who would adopt who? Well, we just figured logically, since Nina was older, 10 years older than I, uh, that that would be the way to go. It was as simple as that. I'm Phoebe Judge, and this is Love. Will you just explain or, or break down what, because you weren't connected legally, what would that mean... Um, what would that mean financially if someone were to die, if someone were to get sick? What did that mean? Right. Um, we felt we were in a real and true relationship unofficially, but there was nothing legal. Well, we always felt that we were existing in an illegal situation. I mean, this just was not accepted at that time. I was just a stranger, effectively, legally. We thought by uh, the adoption, it would change that whole situation where he would legally be uh, part of my, my family, and uh, that would solve the whole situation. Were you thinking, wait a second, gay marriage, legalized gay marriage, seems very far off if it's ever going to happen, and so... This is what this is this is a way. This is a way that we can be legally bound to each other. Right. This was this was the only option and it, we weren't sure if it even would be an option that we thought we might possibly have. Well, I mean they are like an old married couple together. I mean they do everything together. They spend all their time together along with their dog uh, Yuri. They're, they're together all the time. Very loving relationship. This is Andrew Gross. He's an attorney in Pittsburgh and has known Nino and Drew for a long time. He's a real estate and bankruptcy lawyer, so he wasn't quite sure what to think when they came to him and asked if he'd help with an adult adoption. He did some research and said, okay, let's try. I was willing to help them out, and I thought that it was a good idea. But it, did it sound uh, odd or strange to you, just the idea of it? On the surface, sounds a little strange. I don't think so, and I think that the judge in the case knew exactly what we were doing. He didn't ask us specifically, 
but uh, I think that the judge knew what we were doing and approved of what we were doing. We had to get four letters of recommendation, for lack of a better year, word, and we got one from a priest friend of ours, two from uh, personal friends, and one was from our doctor. They brought their petition and their letters of recommendation to what the state of Pennsylvania calls orphan's court. I remember the judge asking Nino if he knew what he was getting into or accepting. And well, he did, said, do you realize that you're going to be responsible for this person, you know, forever? And I said, yes. And he said, are you willing to do that? And I said, absolutely. He said, well, I see no reason not to grant this adoption. We still didn't tell our families. Uh, we did tell our gay friends about it, that, but as far as our families were concerned, we did not tell anybody at the, even then. And then, two years later, something unexpected happened. It is a historic day in Pennsylvania as it becomes the 19th state to legalize same-sex marriage. Just hours ago, a federal judge made the ruling which makes marriage between same-sex couples legal immediately. Judge John Jones peppered his ruling with phrases from wedding vows. He wrote, in future generations, the label same-sex will be abandoned to be replaced simply by marriage. Couples rushed to join in, heading to City Hall to get their marriage certificates. It's very exciting. Yes. And yes. <laughs> you just can't believe you're part of something like this. Uh, we were shocked, and we were even more shocked when, when the Supreme Court issued their... Uh, their idea that uh, for the whole country, you know, and we thought it was a long time coming and it was well-deserved at this point. It has made quite an impact. We kind of, the two of us, represent the, the, the years. We were maybe six or eight months when we met beyond uh, Stonewall in New York, which is considering the beginning of the gay crusade. But beyond that, uh, we've gone through everything right up through 2015 when the federal Supreme, U.S. Supreme Court decided in favor of marriage equality, and uh, we've been there to witness every every step of the way. We kind of try to, try to tell ourselves that uh, it's here to stay, at least for our lifetime. They got with their lawyer, Andrew Gross, to prepare to get married. But there was a problem. Legally, they were father and son. They'd have to vacate the adoption. In June of 2015, they went back to Orphan's Court in Allegheny County. The judge was Lawrence O'Toole, a judge who'd signed one of the state's first same-sex marriage licenses. Here's their attorney, Andrew Gross. I thought that it was just be a pro forma uh, hearing and that he would sign the order right there and then. My clients had actually brought the filing fee to apply for the marriage uh, certificate when they came to the hearing. So they thought they'd get the adoption annulled and then they'd already be downtown, so why not get married? Exactly. And, um, and what happened? The, uh, the judge put us on the defensive from the first words that he spoke. The first thing that he said to me is, what authority do I have to do this? So I could tell right away that he wasn't inclined to, to grant our uh, petition. He did not feel 
he had the authority to annul a situation like this. And there's something in... It's just an excuse. Well, there's something in the law that says the only way that a, a, a judge can annul an adoption if there was fraud involved in the initial adoption in the first place. Judge O'Toole denied their request to vacate the adoption. He didn't see any legal path by which he could. But he wasn't unsympathetic. He wrote, This court welcomes direction from our appellate courts. They were devastated, especially because he wrote denied on the order. He scrawled it in huge letters, denied. So they took it personally. Quite honestly, if they expected to just have a decision from the bench and a stroke of a pen, they really don't know this particular judge very well. Nancy will be back in a minute. Carnegie Hall has welcomed a dizzying array of performers. To have Andy Kaufman, Frank Zappa, and Birgit Nielsen and Horowitz on the same stage, it becomes this kaleidoscope of our history. I'm Jessica Bosk. Join me for the new podcast, If This Hall Could Talk. It's all about our unique cultural history, as witnessed by one of New York's most beloved institutions, Carnegie Hall. Listen now, wherever you get podcasts. We're back with an episode of This Is Love. Under Pennsylvania law, the only grounds to vacate an adoption is fraud. And fraud, for instance, under Pennsylvania law would be, uh, let's assume that um, mom uh, wanted to have someone else adopt a baby and she forged or had someone forge the father's signature on a consent order. That would be fraud. This is Melaine Rothy, an attorney and Judge O'Toole's law clerk. He is very deliberate. He's very thought, you know, he thinks about things. He and I had discussed it in advance, and he wanted to hear the argument from the attorney. He wanted me to do some more research, which I did, and he wanted to think about it. He was not going to make a snap decision. Did you debate this in your own home with your with your wife? Did you talk about this and did you fall on different sides or did you both say, no, this is right? Just as human beings, you know, just as another gay couple who are interested in, I, I would assume, the, the rights of everyone. We did talk about it, yes. And I actually talked about it with my adult children. Uh, and we all talked about it. And... They, uh, one of my children is a lawyer, the other one's in law school now, um, and we had uh, lengthy discussions about it, but, and we went every different way, but they came down to respect the decision that the law simply doesn't provide for it, and it's not going to be uh, a trial court, a common pleas court level judge to fix this. What he really wanted was to send this to an appellate court. That was his purpose. Tell me that I can do this, and I will do it. 
I wonder about that. Isn't that hard to say if it's the law, it has to be uh, 100% right, with, it, it covers everything, that there's no gray, we can only see black and white. Do you think that that has to hold? We can only see black and white, as Judge O'Toole said, this is what the law says. Or um, do you think that, that we have to we have to be able to bend a little bit circumstantially. No, I absolutely uh, believe that the law has some gray area. That being said, it's up to the legislature to correct that gray area. Judges are not supposed to be making law. They are supposed to be enforcing the law. And that's what Judge O'Toole did. Incidentally, when same-sex marriage was recognized in Pennsylvania, Mullane and her partner of 24 years were married. Judge O'Toole performed the ceremony. Why didn't you just get married anyway? Well, this is what our lawyers said. Why don't you just do it and, and forget all this nonsense, you know? But we didn't feel that that was a legal, you know, way to do things. And we wanted to make sure that later on somebody couldn't come back and, and say, you know, wait a minute, you know, you're father and son. You can't get married. Well, what, what's all? So we decided we were going to follow it through the way and we you were supposed to find out. Around that time, that we, we, we could be subject to 10 years in jail for doing this. By now, they were 78 and 68 years old and had been together for 45 years. A newspaper reporter named Chris Potter wrote about the case. It was on the front page of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. From there, CNN and the Washington Post picked it up. Pennsylvania Senator Bob Casey saw the story and wrote a letter to Attorney General Loretta Lynch asking her to look into the case. Nino and Drew were very private about their life story, and now their life story was spread all over the newspapers and all over the local TV. Now It was just an overwhelming experience. Andrew Gross filed an appeal, asking the higher court to permit Nino and Drew to vacate the adoption. The ACLU got involved and filed an amicus brief. An amicus brief is a legal document that can be filed by an interested third party to supply additional information that the court might want to consider. The Superior Court did overrule the lower court decision, instructing Judge O'Toole to reverse the adoption. In January of 2017, he signed the order. A few days later... Nino and Drew were officially married. They didn't have a big wedding. They say they didn't think it was necessary. But a few days later, some family and friends decided that they at least should go out for a nice dinner. And when they got there, there was champagne and wine and a gigantic wedding cake. We saved the top of the cake and we had it last weekend. It was just something that we could could never thank them for enough. What does marriage mean to you? Well, I think it just legitimizes a relationship as it does for all couples. And in our case, a relationship that we had had for like 47 years by the time we finally got married. I mean, there are most people that they never get to that point. And it just was... 
a situation where we we were so happy that it, it could be officially and legally recognized, and uh, and it sounds kind of trite to say we that. We didn't have to hide any longer. That was the main issue. You know, we were always, always hiding it from our family, from our friends, and so it was just amazing that we didn't have to feel that way any longer. You know, it was just, it was a big relief, really. I got a call from my uh, niece's husband, they had lost our address, and they were doing Christmas cards early, and they put our names in, into Google, and of course, all hell exploded. They they saw ever, and so I got a call. The cat was out. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't necessarily us doing it, but uh, my niece called me, and uh, and of course, and then my, she called my sister and her mother, and uh, and then one thing just went after the snowballed after that. They send us cards, they send us uh, the birthday anniversary cards, the anniversary cards. cards, everything. You know, it was, it's just unbelievable how it has changed. They have a beautiful home in the hills above Pittsburgh. It's like being in an antique store. Every surface is covered. Little bowls, shelves, decorative plates. The walls are covered with paintings and ornate frames. Their prized possession is their gigantic schnauzer, named Yuri, easily a hundred pounds. It's just like a bull in a china shop. You know, a gay, straight, no matter what, 50 years is an awfully long time to be with anyone. Um, What is it? What is it 50 years later that allows you two to still be together and live together and have a life? I, I I think it's a case of where we again as trite as it sounds we just sort of felt we were going to always be together from the beginning which of course really means nothing but it's one of those things where today it seems the slightest thing people will couples will use as an excuse gay or straight for not staying together and while. You can have, and we have had, some knockdown, drag-out fights about things over the years. Um, once you cool down, you, you realize the, the, the bones of the relationship are so obviously there that uh, any momentary flare-ups, uh, for whatever reason, aren't going to, aren't going to, they might rock the boat, but they're not going to capsize it. Do you agree? <laughs> I can't add too much to that. But that's, it's just, I don't know, from day one, I just felt this relationship was going to, going to be forever, you know. And there's never going to be anything that can come between us, and we haven't allowed that to happen, no matter what. You know, we just are, have decided that a long time ago, and that's the way it's going to be. This is Love is produced by Lauren Spohr, Nadia Wilson, and Phoebe Judge. Audio mixed by Rob Byers. Matilde Erfolino is their intern. Their next season starts May 1st, and you can listen to all the episodes of the show at thisislovepodcast.com.